This is Matt Woodley. Thanks for joining us today on Monday Morning Preacher, an episode today in which we're going to explore a very vital but often under-talked about topic of preaching, and that is the genres of Scripture, how to preach the different genres. Now, in case you think this doesn't relate to your life, hang on, because we got a guest today, a guest that's uh, been studying this for a long time and has done a lot of writing on this. Ken Langley is the Senior Pastor of Christ Community Church of Zion. Ken, thanks for joining us by video call this morning. My privilege. And Ken and I are taping this during the coronavirus uh, crisis here, so both of us are remote, but um, it's it's great to have you here, Ken. Ken has been preaching for over 40 years, and um, so Ken, you got a lot of experience, I'm sure, and so I like to ask preachers, just start with a more personal question. Um, just over the 40 years of preaching and now in your 40th year or 41st year or whatever you're at, what's been the most challenging thing for you in your weekly sermon prep and delivery? You know, I probably would have given you a different answer just a week ago. Oh, <laughs> this, yeah. Uh, this uh, COVID-19 crisis is um, uncharted territory for all of us. And so yeah. I'm having to discern what is most important for me to say to my flock in this time and also um, learn how to preach uh, to an empty room, uh, huh. just camera, uh, something I've not done, and probably to preach more briefly, uh, because most people, I think, can't um, attend to a talking head as much as to a live preacher. So uh, right now, I think, is the most challenging thing I have faced. Yeah, wow. I could really relate to that. Uh, we'd love to hear more about that. Maybe we should just do a whole episode on that sometime, Ken. That would be great. So I know that genres of the Bible is one of your passions, and um, I'm going to ask you why you're so excited about that in a minute, but just, just start with the basics. What do you mean by a genre? What, what is that? My wife teases me every time she hears me say that word because it sounds so snooty, uh, and, and, I, and I, for her sake, try to say it with the proper French nasality. <laughs> it's genre. Just, yeah, it just means form or type. Uh-huh. Um, there's different kinds of literature. Some start once upon a time. Some start the White House issued a statement today. Some start thus says the Lord or Paul the Apostle. And um, we have, any of us who are competent readers, have learned that these different types of documents are to be read differently. And um, that that's what we mean by genre and genre sensitivity in preaching then would mean um, attentiveness to how different types of literature work differently. Okay, so the average preacher out there might think, oh, this is very academic, like you said, snooty, pretentious, like secondary issue, um, but this is really important to you, and I know you're really passionate about it, and you, I, I'm going to quote uh, uh, a chapter out of a book you wrote. You said, Sunday after Sunday, we cram parables and proverbs, laments and lyrics into our homiletical grinders, and out comes something that tastes like last week's sausage. Um, huh. I love that quote. Um, so what? tell me about why this matters so much. Well, starting with the sense of that quote, I would say um, we all want variety in preaching, and sometimes we resort to gimmicks to achieve that variety. 
Whereas the Bible already is a beautifully varied book. And if we just pay attention to the different kinds of literature we find in the Bible, I don't think we'll have to manufacture um, variety to keep our people interested. I think that when our listeners realize that um, there's different kinds of literature in the Bible, they will um, experience a kind of delight in God's mm -hmm. word that is not always a primary aim for us. Uh, consciously, we're trying to get the truth across, uh, demonstrate its relevance. But there's something to be said, too, for um, people just loving the Bible and finding it a, an attractive book. But I suppose the most important thing is that even if we have a high view of Scripture, we believe in its inerrancy and its authority, but we don't read it properly, then our preaching will not have that authority because we will not be saying what God intended to say, not only um, what he said, but how he said it. So, yeah, I, I don't secondary. Yeah, that's, those are some really good points, Ken. And um, just the, I know you've written too, uh, some of the writing I've read by you, it's just that the form itself matters. I mean, God didn't put everything in the form of a New Testament epistle for a reason. Right. Um, right. And we need to preach that form, not just the content, but the form it comes in. So anyway, that's really good. So tell me a little bit about, you know, your 40 years of preaching. Um, at what point and, and how did this whole concept of genre-sensitive preaching hit home for you and your preaching? In the mid-1980s, I went back to Denver Seminary, my alma mater, to do a D-Min program uh, majoring on preaching and um, realized that one part of the Bible that I had trouble with was the Psalms. Mm. Um, like a lot of preachers, I could finish a sermon on a Psalm and feel like I had been faithful to its theology, maybe even a good pastor in seeing how it could apply, but I felt like the poemness of the thing was just not in the sermon, even though it was there in the text. So I did my major project on um, form-sensitive preaching of the Psalms. And around the same time, I was discovering um, Jonathan Edwards, um, thanks to John Piper, and the religious affections and realizing how important emotion is in the Christian life. And of course, the Psalms are rich in emotive um, impact. So my, my seeking God to awaken my, my own heart and um, my own emotional response to him uh, worked hand in hand with my uh, concentrated study of, uh, of the Psalms. So that, that's how it happened for me. Huh. So um, I wasn't planning on asking you, but let's just dive into like a specific psalm. So Psalm 88, which is known as, a, you know, a searing psalm of lament um, and, and sad and ends with darkness is my only friend. Um, so if you preach that like a, an epistle, you might say, here are three things we can learn about lament from this psalm, you know, yeah, um, yeah. which might be accurate, but... Um, what would you say? How would you approach that psalm? What difference would this make? I actually did preach that years ago, and though mm. the specifics are not fresh in my memory, um, I, I know that I tried to give my people permission to feel what the psalmist felt. And even though 
most weeks end celebratory for us. And, and I think mm -hmm. it's faithful to the whole of scripture and where the Christian story ends. On that day, we didn't try to tie everything up in a nice, uh, neat bow. We had um, a, a violin play plaintively and a soloist sing an old hymn, um, Come Ye Disconsolate, Where Air oh, wow. Anguish, and invited people, instead of singing, to come to the front and pray with uh, me or one of the elders uh, if yeah. their hearts were heavy. So, um, yeah, just seeing saying uh, and helping people feel the, the emotion of that psalm. And, and by the way, it's interesting you choose that psalm as an example. Um, I read a commentary on that psalm that talks about the poet's agonized scream. Agonized scream, wow. Agonized scream. And, and even though that's a striking phrase, you, if you pay attention to the specifics of that text, you see that the poet is really... Um, not screaming. He's too weary, too depressed to scream. He mm. more like a moan or a sigh. And um, that might seem like a, an unimportant um, distinction to make, but I don't think so. There are laments that are more like a scream. Mm. But when you come to that one, I think you need to exegete the emotion and not just the meanings and, um, and, and be faithful to and how he was feeling. Yeah, that's a great example. Wow, great approach to that. Um, and again, it's not just it's not just the words, it's not just the the theological content, but it's the form and the emotion in it. Um, so let's talk about like a New Testament um, narrative. Um, so let's look, think about John 11, the raising of Lazarus, a great long text um, in, um, so how would you, What's going on in this the genre of this passage and how would it affect how you're preaching it? Well, first thing I would say is that I haven't thought as much about narrative as I have about biblical poetry. Um, I guys, see. Steve Matthewson and Jeff Arthurs uh, are, are good authors on, on that subject. But, um, you know, I, I guess off the top of my head, I would say it's a story. It's not a systematic theology exposition of our doctrine of death. Mm. So, for example, um, maybe the question, where was Lazarus those four days? Uh, where was his soul? Uh, that might be something you would want to answer if you were having a you know, late night bull session with other theologians. But that's, that's not how you're going to preach it. You're going to tell the story. And what's more, it's, it's a miracle story. Yeah. Seven signs of the gospel of John that are supposed to strengthen our confidence in Jesus. So we would want to keep the focus on him. Um, near the beginning of the story, there's that intriguing detail that says when he heard about Lazarus being sick, he did not go right away. I, I would with that, milk that a little bit and help the congregation feel the tension of how come? And then when, when we were kids, we learned that John eleven thirty five is the shortest verse in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Here's the God man who knew what he was going to do, who knew that he was going to defeat death once and for all, and yet he he weeps. Yeah. What do we make of that? That that mm -hmm. has some built in tension, and uh, that, that's how stories work. So. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. So let's look at this topic from two angles. So first, um, let's look at the preacher. 
Um, how do I, as a preacher, write my sermon with sensitivity to the genre? How, how do you think through that as you're doing your sermon prep? I think besides the grammatical historical questions we all learned in seminary, um, we need to bring to the text the kind of questions that um, literary scholars would bring. Um, I, actually, I think seminaries are probably doing a better job these days of teaching yeah. students to do that. But, uh, you know, uh, questions like, um, what, what is the, the author doing with this particular image? Um, what is the, the uh, dominant emotion here? Um, where is the narrator um, focusing our attention so that we get the point that he makes in telling this story? Um, th th all that goes into sermon preparation. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if you want to follow up. If yeah, yeah, no, um, that's great. So what difference does this make um, in the minds and hearts of our hearers? I mean, you, you said you discovered this uh, a few decades ago, I guess. Um, what, what difference do you think it's made for your listeners as you have become more aware and in tune with the form of the biblical text? I grew up in a tradition, and um, most of the people who I have pastored have come from this kind of tradition, where um, the facts, give me the facts, ma'am, that's what mattered. Um, people would uh, take notes, and they wanted to get the outline and fill in the blank. And um, I think that after decades of um, hearing me preach, my people now know that that's not our focus is um, making sure we get the outline down. It's more uh, an experience of what God is saying to us in this moment um, through the, the, this form, which is maybe not the same form as we heard last week. So they're going to um, know that an emotive response to God, mm. joy, contrition, fear, gratitude, um, th those kind of responses um, in the moment and in the closing moments of the worship service are, are uh, what they should be here for, maybe not um, taking the completed outline for, in the bulletin home with them to add yeah. to the sermon notes. So um, I, I think that, that the people are just learning to experience scripture more like it was meant to be experienced. Mm. That's a yeah. That is an awesome way to summarize what why this really matters. Um, so Ken, getting you know, in the opening question, I asked you about the most challenging thing in your weekly sermon prep, and of course, that's been uh, thrown into upheaval for all of us during these coronavirus days. But um, you know, I want to end with a different question, and that is, you know, over the past forty years and today, your current state, what what is been the greatest joy for you in your preaching? There have been so many. Mm. Um, I mean, uh, every week, literally, I thank God for this uh, wonderful, wonderful privilege. Uh, so it, it's probably hard to say the, the one greatest challenge, um, sure. greatest joy, but maybe it would be those times and every seasoned preacher has had them when you don't feel like you did a good job, mm. you think this week was weaker than most. And yet, as you greet people on the way out, 
the comments are so warm mm. and uh, affirming, not just good sermon pastor, but the, uh, they look you in the eye, they hold on to your hand a little bit longer and say, this is exactly what I needed today. And those moments are just a reminder that this is God's work, not mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he's got a sense of humor. He, uh, he uses me in my weakness. And that is just a lot of fun, actually. Yeah, I love that. I would say, though, Ken, um, probably not contradicting anything you're saying, but you've been there 23 years. I I bet there's a bond of love between you and your people. Um, Not that you've earned that sort of uh, response to the preaching. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying that just that bond of love when people love their pastor and their pastor loves people, you know, it it really does open them up a lot more, wouldn't you say? You know, there's something to be said for long tenure. Uh, At some point, you've become the pastor. Yeah, a long and loving tenure. Yeah. In the same direction or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, some wise guy said that. Some guy said that. (laughs) Well, Ken, it has been really great talking to you. I I love this concept. And and I would just say to to our preachers out there, just to, to wrap up and to drive home this this thing, I just think it opens a lot of, like you said, a lot of joy and delight and creativity in our preaching uh, for ourselves and for our people. And it's already in the word of God. It's not like we have to yeah. make this stuff up. It's yeah. it's already there. So um, just love not only the content of the scripture, but love the way it has come to us, because that is part of God's sovereign plan. So uh be sensitive to the genre of scriptures and, and preach that with great joy. Thanks, Ken, for joining us. Thanks for your faithful ministry. Preachers, this is Matt Woodley from PreachingToday.com, and I hope you join in on our next episode. This episode was brought to you in part by Just These Guys, you know? A pastor and a psychologist team up to break down scripture and psychology empowering you to transform by the renewing of your mind. Listen today at justtheseguys.podbean.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Just These Guys, you know?